Good morning. How's everybody doing? Good, good. No Auburn fans in the house then, right? <laughs> Maybe some Virginia fans, I don't know. I didn't say anything about that in the early service. I don't know why I'm going to the Final Four. But anyway, it's good to see you in church today. I am Andy Stovall. Uh, Pastor Jim is away today, and I am here. So I'm so happy to be with you. I'm the pastor of Congregational Life here at the Princeton location. And it is always an honor to, uh, to stand in this place and, and share the good news of Jesus with you. So I'm glad you're here. And uh, we're going to jump right in. We are one week into our fast, our church-wide fast. I hope you guys have uh, encountered God in a, in a fresh new way. And I would love to hear about that. I would love for you to share what God is doing through that fast. And as you saw in the video announcements, um, uh, this Saturday is a big day. So come on out, sign up online, or just show up. All right, we'll, we'll let you come. We're not going to turn anybody away that wants to come and pray, okay? So I hope you'll do that. I also want to draw your attention to the lighted board over here in our creative team. They just do such an incredible job. Um, but they have, uh, I, I'm impressed anyway. I don't know that I could do it. But uh, uh, we are asking everybody through this fast to pray about um, someone, maybe a family member who we're praying for to come to Christ. And uh, what we would love for you to do is before you leave today, we have markers on the board, not first and last name. We don't want addresses. We're not going to visit anybody. But um, we would love you to just put their name. If there's somebody that you're praying for, that you're believing God to do a work in their life, it may be salvation, it may be uh, a healing, or whatever the case may be, we would love for you to make your way over to that board before you leave today and, uh, and get that name on there. Okay, It'll be up again next week. You can do it then if you don't have time at the end of service today. But we would love for you to participate in that. So I appreciate it very, very much. Um, we have been in a series called Chain Reaction. We are in week number three of the series and uh, uh, we have talked about a bunch of stuff and really the hope and prayer through this series is that God will so touch our lives, that he will so impact us that we will be equipped and we will be inspired to share the good news to share what Jesus has done in our life with somebody else. The prayer is that it will be contagious, like a, a, a chain reaction, a domino effect. When I was 18 years old, I went to a small Bible college in northeast Georgia called Emmanuel College. Now, I was not living the way I should have been living, and uh, I, I knew who Jesus was. I, you know, there was this religious understanding of church, but not much about relationship. And I went to this school and just the influence of being around those folks just encouraged me and made me hungry to want to know who Jesus is. See, here's the reality, guys. We got folks all around us every day who are not followers of Jesus and Christ is coming back. And what I want to do, and I've heard Pastor Jim say this before, our prayer and our goal as a local church is to populate heaven, right? We want to populate heaven. We want to vacate hell and populate heaven. And uh, so that's 
kind of where we are and that's what we want to do and that's why we're praying, that's why we're in the fast because we believe that there is somebody not just that's going to walk through the doors of this uh, worship auditorium who is saying this morning possibly, I'm going to give Jesus one last chance. There's somebody at work that's doing that. That's somebody, there's somebody in your home, there's somebody maybe in a circle of friends that you have, a hobby that you have, they're doing that. And so uh, that's our goal. We want to reach people for Jesus. So here's the equation we've been looking at. It'll be on the screen behind me. It is, we've looked at the, the fact that high potency plus close proximity plus clear communication will equal maximum impact, Okay. Uh, when we talk about high potency, we're talking about being salt and light. You guys remember we had that conversation. Salt is a, it's an additive, right? Makes things taste good, but it's also a preservative, okay? And we're called to be salt and light in the world that we live in. Uh, we also are called to live out what we believe. Is that important that we live what we believe? That we let people know this is who we are and this is what we believe? We're called to live that out and, uh, and we're also called to be intentional about having unsaved friends with people who don't know Jesus. How many of you know the longer that you're a believer the easier it is to not do that, right? Uh, we know church people. I know folks at church, I see you guys every week, week in and week out. And look, if you don't get a chance to talk here this morning, just go to Walmart. You'll get to meet again. It's, it's the second meeting of the Bridge Church, okay? We, don't have, we haven't figured out how to receive an offering there yet, but um, you can go and connect with somebody uh, there. But, but we get that. We, we understand that, that God wants us to do that. He wants us to have those connections. But when it comes to clearly communicating the gospel, when it comes to talking to the people that we love or people that we're acquainted with about Jesus, that takes it to another level, doesn't it? That's a little bit more intimidating because it could make things weird in our relationship with that person. Maybe there's a fear of rejection. You ever talk to somebody about something you're super passionate about and you just saw this glaze come over their face? You know, my wife says it's what happens every time she talks to me, you know, about anything important. You know, if, it, if it's something I need to know and it's a time-sensitive thing, I just go, you know. And then we get in this big thing, and I know none of you other husbands ever do this, but we get in this big conversation about how she never told me, all right? And then the kids walk in, and they're like, yeah, Dad, we heard her say it to you, so like, thanks a lot. So anyway, um, but it's intimidating. It's tough, and so many of us have employed this approach. We've employed the approach, if they ask me, then I'll tell them, right? If somebody asks me about Jesus, I'll let them know. I'll tell them about this, Jesus. Uh, another thing that we've adopted, and, and I don't wholly disagree with this, but uh, preach the gospel and use words if necessary. That's important. It's important that we live that thing out. But it's also important that we tell people who Jesus is. Why is that important? Why is it important that we tell people who Jesus is? Because the Bible said to do it. It says go and tell in Mark 16. We're, we're commissioned at the end of, the, of Matthew to go into all the world and make disciples. We are commanded to do this. So we go and tell and we, we do it on Sunday morning through worship. How about that worship today? Was that, was that incredible? You know, can I just, this isn't in my notes, but I, I just want to pause and gripe a minute. 
because um, Jerry Grantham was playing a banjo. What? Who have you ever? You've you've no. I can give you the answer. You've never seen him play the banjo. You know why? Because this week he just said, mm, "I'm going to learn how to play the banjo." Who does that? The guy is so gifted and so talented. It makes me sick. Okay, so um. But we thank God for him. He's also responsible for that wall over there. Um, you know, I just get up here and they say, please stop by 12. But um, anyway, uh, but he, we, we hear the message of the gospel through music every week, right? We hear it through the preaching of the word. But we also are called to share the good news of Jesus when we leave this building. When we walk out of here, how we live our life, how we talk to people, how we, how we communicate, how we share with people, how we respond to people. We don't always get it right, but God has called us to, to use our words to teach and preach and witness and tell. Lee Strobel, who wrote The Case for Christ, said it this way. I've seen far too many Christians who are more than willing to travel halfway around the world to volunteer for a week in an orphanage, but can't bring themselves to take the personal risk of sharing Jesus with the co-worker who sits day after day in the cubicle right beside them. And we've all been there. It's, it's tough, and I'm not trying to bust our chops here today, but what I am praying for myself as well is that the Holy Spirit will give us boldness. That he'll give us boldness to step out and do what he's called us to do, and that is tell people about the love of Jesus. 47% of millennials that have been surveyed think it is wrong to share your faith. There's a pervasive attitude in the world today that says this, um, I'm okay, you're okay, we're all okay. Let's just be okay, right? And whatever you believe and however you want to live, you, you know, they say you can do that, but if we believe the Bible, if we believe that Jesus is coming again, we are compelled to tell. We're compelled to have that conversation. God is calling us to do that. So in the time that we have left, I want to do something. I want to look at just a few approaches. And they're not, it's not an exhaustive list and, and it's not you know, the gospel. It's just some approach. Well, it is the gospel. It's actually um, affirmed by the word. But, but it's not the only list there is. But I want us to look at some of these approaches and, and how God uses them to reach people for Christ. The first one is the confrontational approach. How many of you love confrontation? I just like to confront something about somebody all the time. We just live to do it. Don't raise your hand if you do. If you do, just come see me and we'll pray at the end of the service. Confrontation is important. And I, you know, I probably err on the far side there where I, I just don't like it. You know, I, I like everybody. Let's just be happy, you know, and take a nap and enjoy life. And what, you know, but I don't, I don't like confrontation, but sometimes... You know, it, it happens. But when we think of a confrontational approach of sharing Jesus, here's kind of the picture that comes to mind. And uh, Pastor Andrew was telling us a story recently. Uh, actually, he went last year to see the Carolina Panthers play football. Anybody like the Carolina Panthers around here? And he loves the Panthers, and he tries to go to a game once a year. And he's, he's at the Panthers game, 
Travis, and he's walking out, and there's a guy standing there with a megaphone. And he sees Pastor Andrew, and he says, You are going to hell. Alrighty. First of all, Pastor Andrew thought, man, you have got to be wrong because we are not outside the Dallas Cowboys Stadium. <laughs> but, but seriously, he didn't know his story. He didn't know anything about him. He just saw this guy walking out, and he's like, man, I got a card in my wallet that says I'm a preacher, and you're telling me I'm going to hell. I wasn't in the world. You know, think about the guy or the gal. Who doesn't know Jesus? And they're walking out of a stadium or wherever. And somebody just looks at them and says, You. You know, if I'm running from God, when I was in a place where I wasn't, where I needed to be with God, that wouldn't have resonated with me. It wouldn't have, it wouldn't have helped me. So that's not exactly what we're talking about. I do want to look at how Peter approached this. Peter was confrontational. It was kind of part of his personality. But in Acts chapter 2, beginning in verse 22, we see in Scripture, um, he approaches his fellow Israelites. He says, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, signs, and wonders which God did among you through him, as you yourselves know. This man was handed over to you by God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge, and you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. That's pretty confrontational, isn't it? It goes on. But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. It don't get more plain than that. It doesn't get more in your face than that. So how do you think the Israelites responded to that? Well, let's look. We see a little further on in the chapter, when the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, Repent and be baptized. Every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Do you know what happened after, they, after he preached that way and after he confronted them that way? Do you know what happened? 3,000 people came to Christ. 3,000 people were saved that day. Now, the confrontational way works. All of these are effective, but here's what i got to preface it with. It can't be us doing it. we got to be led by the Holy Spirit. It's got to be something that God does in us. He is leading us. If he be lifted up, he will draw men unto himself. And when God's doing that, and when he's working on the heart of a man, and he puts you in front of them, and you speak truth, guess what? That is fertile ground for that person to come to a place where they receive Christ. It ain't about us. It's not about how many people we talk to. It's not about, this isn't about a checklist. This is about reaching people for Jesus that are lost without him. Um, 
One of the greatest modern day examples of this is a, is a ministry called uh, Way of the Master. Anybody heard of that? You heard of Kurt Cameron? Any girls like Kurt Cameron when you were growing up? You, I'd see Kurt on Growing Pains, I think is what it was. And, and he does this ministry with Ray Comfort. And they team up. And man, they just do an awesome job uh, reaching people, talking to people about Christ. Um, I would check them out. I would encourage you to look at that example. Uh, secondly, we can look at an intellectual approach. So we see Peter. He was kind of, you know, all right, I'm going to tell you guys how it is. And then Paul, uh, one of the things that we see in, in his ministry is he was a master at this. Um, he could present truth in a reasonable, understandable way. In Acts 17, we see the example of this as was his custom. Paul went into the synagogue and on three Sabbath days he reasoned with them from the scriptures, explaining and proving that the Messiah had to suffer and rise from the dead. This Jesus I am proclaiming to you is the Messiah, he said. Some of the Jews were persuaded and joined Paul and Silas, as did a large number of God-fearing Greeks and quite a few prominent women. The, the intellectual approach. There are people who want to come to the Lord. They're interested in who Jesus is. They want to believe, but before they can, they got valid questions they want answered. Valid questions they want answered. Now, there's a valid position that people take in, in, in looking at, at Christendom, and we look at people in the world, and we say, man, I want to follow Jesus and believe in Jesus. There's so many hypocrites out there. So many hypocrites. Do you know the hypocrisy in pointing at somebody else and calling them a hypocrite? Because we all are, right? Have we all been hypocrites at some point or another in our life? Yes, we've been hypocritical. And, and, and we, but we take that position because it's like, uh, but there are questions and there are things and there is validity in asking, why is there? What's the deal with hypocrisy? What's the deal with, with all this stuff that we see in the world? And so we sit and we reason together. And this sermon is not about reasoning all that out, but I'd be happy to have that conversation with you at some time. But the point is, you ought to be able to sit down and have that conversation. Okay? And if somebody has that conversation and they don't completely agree with you, that's okay. You don't need to get mad at them because that's kind of our go-to. When somebody doesn't agree with us, we, we, get, we get mad, don't we? We get defensive. When I first came to Jesus, man, I'm on fire for God. I'm loving on the Lord, and I'm excited about what he's done in my life. And I, I go off with some old friends from high school I hadn't seen in years. Some of you have heard me tell this story before. And we're talking, and this guy starts mocking Jesus. He starts talking, oh, this God you believe in, and uh, you know, and blah, blah, blah. And I, so I'm, you know, I'm sitting there, oh, my dear friend, with such kindness and compassion. Please understand. Let me, no, that's not what I did. I grabbed him by the, by the shirt collar and wrapped it up and I was about to punch him in the face that's not the way to do it okay that's a great way to get an assault charge but it's not a good way to share the gospel all right you can sit and, and have an intellectual conversation um, two two great examples for that and I would I would write these down and I didn't mention it 
but we do have the app, uh, the, the Bridge app is available, and all the, the notes for this are in there. But if you want to type it out in the app or you want to write it down, Josh McDowell wrote a book called The Evidence That Demands a Verdict. Uh, and then Lee Strobel, The Case for Christ. I just quoted him a moment ago. Both excellent, excellent books that, that kind of talk about that whole thing. And you know what's interesting about both of those authors is they set out to disprove the existence of Jesus, to say that it was a myth, you know, because that's what the world does. Do you hear the story recently about the little boy who was in the library and he was walking through the fiction section and he found a book on Moses in the fiction section? And this little boy, I mean, he's like nine years old. He picks the book up. He walks up to the librarian and says, you put this in the wrong place because it's not fiction, you know. I mean, people are, are all the time wanting to disprove and trying to disprove the existence of God. And, and these guys set out to do that. And in the course of doing that, came to faith in Christ. How cool is that? It's like, yeah. So... <laughs> Next, we have the service approach, and that's exactly what it sounds like, going to serve other people. We're doing that today. You know that we do that every single week here at the bridge. Every single week, where do we go on Sunday morning to serve others in the name of Jesus? Soup kitchen, right? Expecting nothing in return. We just want to love on people. And, and I will tell you that we see fruit from that. We see lives change. I saw somebody this morning in, in our early service um, that was his first connection to the church. And so it's just really cool to see God do that. But it's not about getting them in the pews. It's just about loving on folks in Jesus' name. If they come, great. But we want them to connect with God. We want them to connect with Jesus and have a personal relationship with him. Corey Tim Boom is one of my personal heroes. Did all this work that she did to save families uh, during the Holocaust. Hid uh, the Jews in her home. And um, I mean, just an amazing, amazing story. You ought, to, you ought to check that out and read the things that sh she did. But in Scripture, we find another incredible lady named Tabitha. Tabitha in Acts chapter 9, and I know I'm kind of jumping here and there, but... Um, She's just an incredible example of, of serving and through the service approach, reaching people for Jesus. The Bible says in Acts 9.36 that in Joppa there was a disciple named Tabitha who was always doing good and helping the poor. She was a great lady. Well, I'm not going to read through the entirety of the scripture, but what happens with Tabitha is she dies. Well, the people are distraught because she has done such wonderful things for all the folks. And they, and they go to Peter and they say, Peter, would you please come and pray over Tabitha? And she, is, she has gotten sick and she has died. And, and so Peter did. And you know what happened? God raised her from the dead. She, she was brought back to life. And, and many people came to Christ because of, um, because of the miracle that occurred there but also because of Tabitha's service approach in ministry Stan Mooningham said it this way love talked about is easily turned aside but love demonstrated is irresistible when we demonstrate love when we care you know that it doesn't mean near as much when somebody tells you how much they love you than it does when they show you how much they love you Right, ladies, whose husbands did the dishes last night before bed. So, <laughs> Then we have the testimonial approach. Uh, maybe as we've been talking here this morning, you're thinking, golly, I, you know, I, I hear everything you're saying, and 
I just don't know. I'm not sure if, if, if I can do any of those. Everybody can do this. Everybody has a story. Have you got a story? Sitting right where you are today, think about everything that's happened in your life that's brought you to right now, in this very moment. It's a story. For many of us, it's a novel, right? And, and uh, you know, maybe some unbelievable things have happened, but, but this is a story, a, a way to simply tell your story and share the love of Jesus with people. The, my favorite, one of my favorite examples in all of Scripture is one that we find here in John chapter 9. In John chapter 9, there's a blind man that Jesus touches. See, that he, he's, he's been blind from birth. Jesus makes some mud, puts it in his eyes, tells him to wash in, in Siloam, and he washes his eyes off, and what happens? He can see. Now, see, we read this account in Scripture, and we think, man, that's pretty awesome. Jesus touched people that had blinded eyes and caused them to be able to see. And then we just keep going. Do you know what a big deal it is? I mean, I don't because I've never been blind and been able to see. Now, I have had LASIK surgery. That was a pretty big deal. I guess I was kind of blind, but now I can see. But have you ever, have you ever been on YouTube and seen the videos of the folks that get these glasses that... Uh, will enable them to see color. They're colorblind and, and they're able to put these glasses on and they see. You know, you got these big <clears throat> burly men and they're, they're, they, they've, they've never been able to see orange or red or, or, or brilliant blues or whatever the case may be. And, and <clears throat> they get these glasses and they put them on and what do they do? They cry. These mountain of men put these glasses on and are able to see color. Now, they've been able to see, but they are able to see color. They are able to see the brilliance of the world that we have just become so accustomed to. And we see it every day, and it's like, well, that's cool, you know. I mean, it's like the first time you saw a color television. You know, it was like, wow, I didn't know people look like that on TV too. They look the same as they do in real life. Can you imagine being able to see for the first time ever? Holy cow, what experience that must have been for that guy. So he's so excited. He's so excited about what God has done and he's able to see. I just can't even imagine how excited he must have been. And his own community starts questioning him. They're like, you sure you're that guy that couldn't see? Because you look like that guy that couldn't see, but... uh." You can see, so how are you that guy? And so they're, they're going back and forth with him, and, and, and then they start asking him about who he believes Jesus is. Well, who do you think Jesus is? You say, Jesus did it. Who is he? Well, I, I guess he's a prophet. Well, that sent him into orbit. They took him to the Pharisees. Pharisees started questioning him about it. They called in parents. They started asking mom and dad about it. Is this, is this your boy? Does this guy belong to you? Is he your son? Yeah, he's my son. Well, tell us about this whole thing about him being blind and, and now he's able to see him what Jesus did. And They were afraid to broach the subject. They didn't want to get into all that. So they, they, they were happy to say, this is my son. But then they looked at him and said, but now he's of age. You ask him what all, all that's about because we don't know. So that's where we pick up this thing. 
So a second time they summoned the man who had been blind. Give glory to God by telling the truth, they said. We know this man is a sinner. We're talking about Jesus there. He replied, whether he is a sinner or not, I do not know. One thing I do know, and what is that? I was blind, but now I see. You can tell me anything you want to tell me about Jesus. You can say anything you want to say about who he is, but I'm telling you I know this for a fact. I couldn't see this morning, and I can see today. I can see right now, and I'm looking at you. So whatever you have to say about him, that's between you and Jesus. I was blind, now I can see. That's what I know. And that's what God has done in each and every one of our lives who are believers in Christ. We were once blind, but now we are able to see the truth of who He is. When we read Scripture, it resonates with our spirit because we were once blind. But now, God has enabled us to see. He's enabled us to see. Um... He couldn't argue their theology. He couldn't get into all that. But he knew they couldn't argue his experience. There's a guy named Brady Shearer who's become very influential to the younger generation. They tend, uh, you know, our younger generation, and I know I'm not telling you anything you don't know, uh, are turned off oftentimes by church. They're turned off by uh, even the Bible, and they they. Don't really trust it or believe it. Here's his framework. Here's the position he comes from. And this is pretty good. He says, um, he says, I believe I was put on this earth to make it a better place. I believe that the best way to do this is through love. And I believe the best example of love is Christ. I believe he's the best example and so whether or not you agree with everything Brady says or, or does or whatever we were put here on purpose for purpose God has created each and every one of us for a purpose and that is to to live a life that reflects Christ and also to share that truth with others I would like to challenge you to do something think about your own story have you thought about what God has done in your life if you've made a commitment to Jesus? Can you tell that in two minutes? I'd love for you in your mind's eye to imagine hopping on an elevator and thinking i got two minutes to ride on this elevator and I'm standing with a person who I may never see again um, who may not be here tomorrow. What am I going to tell them? What am I going to share with them? What's it going to look like for me to tell them my story, what Jesus did in my life. And this is the format. You say, this is who I was. I met Jesus, and this is who I'm becoming. Because you know we're all becoming, right? None of us have arrived. We're all getting there. <laughs> None of us are perfect. And so that, but that's, that's, the, that's the method there. This is who I was. I met Jesus, and this is who I'm becoming. And then you pray for opportunities to share that. And when you do, they may not agree with your theology, but they cannot argue with the power of a changed life. And you never know the seed that may be planted by you sharing that truth. 
And we live in a place where there are blinded eyes all around us. People who need to see. People who need to trust. People who need to take that step of faith. So, my prayer for you today is not just that God will give you the boldness to share in one of these ways what He has done for you, but my prayer for you today is that your eyes will be opened. If you're here today and you've never received Jesus into your life, my prayer today is that you will accept Him. My prayer today is that your eyes will be opened and you'll say, yes, I will follow. I will trust the Lord. But see, as believers in Christ, oftentimes when we hear someone say, we're going to pray that your eyes will be open," the first place we go is, well, they, they need to see that they need Jesus. They see their sin. And all that is absolutely true, but there's a lot more that God wants us to see. Maybe as a believer in Christ here today, you've quit seeing the opportunity that God has in front of you. You've quit seeing your potential. You know, when I was growing up, I experienced bullying, and I've shared that story before, and, uh, you know, it, it made a big impact in my life, and, and there were a lot of words that were spoken to me that I believed to be absolutely true, and they were a lie. And through Christ and with His help, I came to a place where I said, you know what, I'm not believing that lie anymore. I'm not listening to those lies anymore. Those words that people speak over me, the fear that they try to hold over me, I'm not going to believe that anymore. I'm walking with my eyes wide open, and I pray, God, that you help me see what you see when you look at me. See, what Jesus sees in you is potential. What Jesus sees is hope. Maybe your eyes need to be open to that. Maybe your eyes need to be open to some new possibilities, to, to uh, uh, new opportunities that God has for you. But you are stuck in this place because you've believed a lie. You've believed that it can only be this way. This is just how it is. This is just how I am. And that is absolutely not true. Our God is a God of second chances. And how many things are, in, are, are possible with God? How many things are possible with him? All things. And so what we do is we walk in that and we trust that. And we say, God, help me see with eyes. Reveal to me who you are through those lenses so that I can understand all things are possible with you. And I will begin living my life that way. There are some of you that are here this morning. It's time to start doing that. Don't leave here. Living the way you've always lived. But ask God to open your eyes and see the potential and see what He sees when He looks at you. And live that out. Nobody can make you do it. And you can't achieve it on your own. It's only in Him that it happens. But I encourage you. I encourage you to pray, Jesus, open my eyes. Help me see. Here's the reality. If you're walking around with blinders on, every probably most of the people in your circle of influence see that you have blinders on. You're the only one who don't know. And it's time for God to remove those, right? 
And I'm not preaching this at you. I need it just as much, if not more. Would you stand with me as we pray together today? Father, I thank you so much for your word. I thank you so much for the truth that is in your word. As we look at these different ways, as we're talking about having a maximum impact as a believer in Christ, sharing the good news of Jesus. God, as we consider that and we think about that today, help us also acknowledge and recognize where there have been scales over our eyes, where we've been blinded to some things, where we've believed a lie that we're not good enough That we don't measure up. Maybe that God could not love me because of all the things that I've done and none of them are true. God, that we would pray this morning, Lord Jesus, open my eyes. I'm tired of living a defeated life. I'm tired of living a life where every day when I wake up and look in the mirror, I think this is, this is it. This is the best I can be. And we're believing that because maybe someone said that. Maybe the enemy whispers that in our ear. But for whatever reason, we've settled. And God, you don't want us to settle. You want us to trust. Seeing our potential can be scary. But it is also the most freeing, liberating thing we'll ever do. So for those that are here today, Lord, who know you, I pray that they would acknowledge that and and they would say, Lord, I'm ready. I'm tired of living the way I've been living and believing what I've been believing. There is a greater truth out there, God, and I pray you reveal it to me through your word. And then for those of you that are here this morning who've never received Jesus, maybe it's been about religion or maybe it's not been about anything at all, and today... God has been dealing with your heart and you know it's time for a relationship with Jesus. And we are messed up and we are separated from God by sin and it's only through Jesus that we find forgiveness. And we can enter into that and and then there's newness of life and And redemption awaiting us. And God, we're here today and we may not even, we don't even understand all of that. We don't understand the implications of all of that. But what we know is, Lord, you're revealing something to us right now that is undeniable. And we got to trust you. With every head bowed and every eye closed. If you're here today and you say, God, I want you to, I just want you to open my eyes to who you are and who you know I can be. 
and I'm tired and I'm done believing the lies. I want to find out who exactly you created me to be. If that's you today, would you just lift your hand up with every head bowed and every eye closed and say, that's me. That's me here today. I see those hands. God, thank you. Thank you, Lord, for the work you've done. Can we give the Lord a hand clap of praise for what he's done in this place? Now, guys, don't let the enemy steal what God has done right here today. You took a step of faith. Trust that and trust him that he will see you through and he will help you in that.